You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? Well, happy Tuesday, fellow Writer's Block listeners. We are back for another episode. I'm Jess Navarre's part one of one because we are half and a half i don't say part one of two because exactly yeah we're equal over here i'm just navarez i am hosting today with brandon laurie my incredible amazing co-host who is like my life therapist at this point um and my co-host so thank you brandon for always dealing with whatever madness is coming into my life and uh there's always a lot there's always something so again best co-host best therapist y'all if you need to vent to anybody please go ahead and tweet brandon because he's he's got your back with that well the more titles that i can get maybe i can ask uh rj you know for a little bit more because it's like if i'm getting more titles i mean right. that's that's nice i like it uh you know i guess right now um it would be nice to have maybe a little bit more money coming in so yeah people want to talk people want to vent venmo is always a cool thing you know uh <laughs> but no it's I, I enjoy the conversations and i know right now in the off season there's not really much going on between now and the draft so it's like what do you have to talk about outside of your own personal trauma so i mean it's it's totally i'm, I'm here for it and uh it's always nice uh but again the cowboys it's a never-ending conversation even when other teams do certain things it always comes back to the cowboys which i'm sure we'll get into as well Oh, yeah, definitely. And I forgot to mention, you can follow us on Twitter at Brandon is right. You can follow Brandon there. That's W-R-I-T-E because he writes and he is right with everything he says. Yeah. If you disagree with Brandon, <laughs> I don't know what, what to tell you. Then I'm not going to be your therapist. If you disagree with me, then that's not the point of being there a therapist, right? Exactly. And your your name on Twitter is Brandon is right, not Brandon is wrong because yeah. that's just not what it is. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Jess Navarre's underscore. And Brandon, we're nine days away from the 2023 NFL draft kicking off, which this part of the season, again, it's very slow. The news cycle slow. There's not much happening, but we decided today we're going to play a little bit of a game of back to the future with y'all. We'll get into that in a minute, but first there was some breaking news and we always tell you guys, we record this on Monday just to give you all context, some breaking news uh, that happened this morning and it, pertains to Cowboys fans, whether they like it or not. But yes, if you didn't hear it by now, the Eagles and Jalen Hurts did agree on a five-year, $255 million extension. This does include $179.3 million guaranteed. Keep in mind, guys, that's a lot of money, but it did officially make Jalen Hurts the highest paid player in NFL history. So he is going to be making about $51 million per year, give or take here. A lot of money, a big lump sum of change. Okay, let's compare a couple of things here. Because, yes, Brandon, you just said the Cowboys come into all these conversations. We're going to get into how this pertains to Dak Prescott and really other quarterbacks across the NFL at this point. But I want to go to you first and just ask you, from a non-bias, I want you to take your Cowboys fan cap off for one second. From an oh, he took it off. Okay. From a non-biased perspective, do you think the Eagles made the right call with this? Do you think they overpaid Jalen Hurts? Where are you kind of sitting on this non-biased fence as far as this deal with Jalen Hurts? Yeah, it's it's definitely what needed to be done for the Eagles and with Jalen Hurts. I think that the way that he's improved as a quarterback in the NFL since a rookie coming in. Um, I think it, it was just a matter of time before he was going to be deserving of the money. I wrote down that, you know, his skill set is very unique where he is a quality passer. He has improved. If you look at all the advanced metrics and everything, and if you want to hear about those, I'm sure you can tune into NFL network and everything. But when you look at his EPA per drop back, it has gone up over uh, season after season since he became the starter. So 
he's just been a quality passer. He's improved. We saw that on the field and what happened when they brought in someone like an A.J. Brown, a Devonta Smith, the draft pick that, you know, when you surround a good player, a good quarterback with good pieces, it's going to improve his statistics and then he improves as a player. But I think also he's an elite runner and that's the reason why I think he's getting paid this money is that he not only presents a problem in the passing game but also is one of the best to do it when it comes to running the ball so I put down that he really is like the perfect quarterback for the modern NFL where you combine all these different traits and not only that but he's a high character guy he's a leader of men and that's anything that any quarterback wants to have uh, in the locker room so I think right now you're going to look at that a few months from now he might actually be third on this list with maybe something that happens with Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. So the Eagles jumped on it early. And when we were talking about what happens with the Cowboys and looking at it from a Cowboys perspective, they have to figure things out with Dak Prescott because right now, yes, his cap hit is lower um, or his salary rather makes him, I think, I believe like ninth on the list of quarterbacks in the NFL right now, which looks like a bargain. But when you look at his salary cap between this season and next season, especially next season, it's almost $60 million. So they need to figure something out between the next two years to bring that number down. It seems like that they want to, but as far as Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, uh, he's going to be in the division for the next at most five years. Uh, I think that his style of play, you might see things change a little bit where he got hurt last season on a play where he was running and he injured his shoulder. So maybe they don't run him as much. We saw that with Dak Prescott. The Cowboys didn't want him to run as much with after the ankle injury. It's sort of like once that happens and they're no longer uh, almost like these muscle men where you look at them as iron men anymore. I think that maybe the offense might change, but he's a great guy. I mean, regardless of him being the quarterback of the Eagles, he's a great guy, great for the community, um, for Philadelphia. And I think that you see the way that things are going with quarterback contracts. He didn't sign a max fully guaranteed deal. So now when you look at Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, do are we going to be seeing quarterbacks sign these fully guaranteed deals? As far as Jalen Hurts, it doesn't look like it. And we'll see if that continues with a Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and then eventually Lamar Jackson. Yeah, when you look at this from a non-biased perspective, again, guys, I know this is painful. We it's have painful to. Yeah. Too. We get it. Um, you can skip through this part of the podcast if you want, but <laughs> listen later because there's a really fun game uh, coming up in a bit. But I think the Eagles absolutely killed it with this deal. I mean, they had the money, and not only that, but – Something I love is that his manager that made this happen, she is a woman, woman powered yeah. to Jalen Hurts' manager for making an, a historic deal in the NFL. That is hard to do already. And then being a woman in sports, you know it's 10 times harder than if a man did it. And that's just what it is. But Jalen Hurts, absolutely class act guy. I mean, the guys respect him so much in that locker room. The coaches respect him. He just seems like a world-class guy, a guy you want to represent your, your franchise, the face of your franchise. And not only that, but he's led them to the Super Bowl. Uh, are we forgetting that? I mean, that is a big, big incentive already to say, hey, you got us there. Maybe you didn't win it, thank God. But, uh, you know, maybe you didn't win it, <laughs> I still have to be a little shady, right? Yeah. Um, you you got us there. You got us to the promised land. You can do it again very easily with the pieces we're giving you because Philly's had a pretty good offseason as well, I will say. Give them the credit where it's due. It's just, unfortunately, the RPO is something that Jalen Hurts is so good at. And for the Cowboys' standpoint and how uh, difficult that was for the Cowboys' defense to really find a way to figure out, especially when you didn't have LVE or Jonathan Hankins in due to injury, it does worry me a little bit to know that uh, we have to deal with Jalen Hurts for at least, like you said, the next five seasons. But you know what? Good for Jalen. As an NFL player, it's so hard uh, to get this kind of deal. He's worked his tail off for it. He, and like you had mentioned, he's a great guy on and off the field, the community work he does. I have respect for Jalen Hurts. I just wish he wasn't the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. But I think the, the overall the Eagles can justify make um, spending this amount of money on somebody like Jalen Hurts. He's your franchise quarterback. You go for it um, and you do it. But I did want to mention here, because we're talking about how this pertains to other quarterbacks and specifically Dak Prescott, because it's been a conversation that, you know, it's no secret that it's time to figure out a contract extension for Dak Prescott at this point because of the cap casualty that it's going to create uh, with his current salary already. And just a reminder, 
Um, if, if you forgot, it's been a while. No worries. You don't always know these things off the top of your head. In 2021, DAC signed a four-year deal worth $160 million. This did include include, excuse me, a $66 million signing bonus. And that meant $126 million of this was guaranteed. So on an average annual salary, he's making about $40 million a year. So at the Combine, Jerry and Stephen both really touched base at this topic. They kind of poked it and they said, yeah, no, we're not really talking about it. Um, about a month ago now, Dak did mention at a charity event when he was asked about possibly getting extended, obviously. He said, I'm excited to be a Dallas Cowboy. I don't really see myself going to play for another team. Um, he doesn't expect it at this point. And he said, this is kind of a funny quote, with Stephen, a deal might happen overnight, but when it happens, it happens. So it doesn't seem like they're in any rush right now to get it done. But like you said, Brandon, they need to get it done at some point. It's just how much at this point, especially with the season deck had last season. And then you add in the injuries, which again, they're not reoccurring injuries. They're just all weirdly freak accident injuries that Dak has been unlucky uh, to sustain. But how much of that is going to factor into a price? And, you know, Steven had talked about when it, pertain to Ezekiel Elliott this offseason he never wants to be disrespectful to a price and a player he doesn't want to create tension like that and so you know I to me that same mentality should stick around for Dak Prescott if you're Stephen Jones if you're Jerry Jones I don't think it wouldn't come down to that but I'm interested to see what they think a fair deal and contract extension looks for Dak where he's at at his career right now so it's interesting to figure out first where he fits because if you say that he's around the Jalen Hurts price it's like okay you know has Dak reached the Super Bowl well no so it does that kind of count against him and I think it's interesting how and not that it's a pure one for one but when you look at how baseball negotiates their contracts come arbitration time just the sit down of arbitration I always find it fascinating that you have the player and the representatives and then you have the team the owners and those conversations it's like you know for instance like I'm a Yankees fan so for me this happened very recently with Aaron Judge and how Aaron Judge has been the face of the franchise for ever since he came in as a rookie and so he's done all these things. He's had all these accolades and all that. And then when it came time for him to make his money, the franchise is like, well, you're injured. You're this, you're that. And like, like saying, you know, we love you, but in this room right now, we're trying to knock you down a few pegs to, to get your price lower and what we want. And I always find that fascinating because someone like Dak Prescott, it's different because maybe he might not have all the accolades of on the field success, but when you look at what he does for the community, being a leader of men in the locker room, how he, you know, has guys around him to be successful. He elevates the players around him. It's like you can't really quantify that. So what are those negotiations like, especially now where he's getting his second contract with the team? I was thinking about this today when we were trying to figure out what we were going to be talking about. And at the end of the season, you could assign me up for a DAC contract like right then and there for whatever price, whatever. At the Combine, yeah. I think when you look at the quarterbacks that are coming into this draft, you always have to think about you know, building your team and where they fit with regards to the quarterbacks that are coming in. Like, let's just say somebody like a Will Levis fell down to 26. Okay, do you take him over somebody like a Dak Prescott, at least in this season or vice versa? Um, no, I'd prefer to have Dak. But then now after this Jalen Hurts deal where it averages to, I think you said over $50 million a year, I think with incentives it can add to be about $54 million a year. I don't know. And I say that not doubting Dak Prescott's play, but something that I've heard recently with regards to quarterbacks and Super Bowl success, you can't deny the numbers because it, it's to be, it's it's proven um, how no quarterback in the Super Bowl era has won outside of Patrick Mahomes uh, occupying about more than 13% of the salary caps. Patrick Mahomes this past year was at 17%. But before that, you had Matthew Stafford at 10.7, Tom Brady at 12.2. Patrick Mahomes, when he won in 2019, was at 2.4 on his rookie deal. Uh, Tom Brady with the Patriots at 12. Then you had 1% with Carson Wentz, even though it was really Nick Foles that won. Um, and then the highest outside of that was really Peyton Manning with the Broncos at 11.7. So anytime a quarterback is over that sort of 13% threshold, they don't the team success doesn't equate to a Super Bowl, you know, and you look at a Russell Wilson, a Aaron Rodgers, like these guys who have kind of taken up the majority of the cap space for their team. And it's great to have a franchise guy. But is he a Patrick Mahomes level to warrant that 17 percent? And when I look at Dak Prescott, I don't put him on the same pedestal as a Patrick Mahomes. So me in my fan hat and my general manager hat, it's like, do I want Dak Prescott to kind of account for that 50 million dollar a year cap hit when I know 
the Cowboys can't spend money elsewhere. When you look at where they're at right now, Dak Prescott is making about 11.52% of the cap. And you see all the signings that they were able to do this offseason because his number is still relatively low. Get Brandon Cooks, get Stephon Gilmore, bring back Donovan Wilson, Leighton Van Der Esch, all these guys. We already talked about all the free agency moves that they've made. That's because Dak isn't accounting for a majority of the team's salary. Like 11 is still within that threshold of that 13%. So it seems like it's an all-in push for the Cowboys this year. And I look at also John Lynch of the 49ers. He came out and said that the reason why they were able to sign Javon Hargrave, this big name in free agency, is because they have Brock Purdy and Trey Lance kind of competing for that position. And so with all that being said, the Cowboys, it seems like they're in like this win now mentality. And the one thing I have to say is I know the front office has been saying all these things about re-signing Dak and doing all these things, but they also told us that Ezekiel Elliott would be back with the team and then they let him go. And I'm not saying that anything is happening where they're just saying this to be publicly, um, you know, uh, cautious of what they say about Dak. But Calvin Watkins was reporting on this with the Jalen Hurts deal and how it affects Dak. And he said that no contract negotiations have, have begun. And those things can happen in steamroll pretty quickly. And it might happen in training camp. It might happen overnight, like Stephen Jones said. But I do wonder if Dak holds out this season, says my number is going to be even more higher and better next season once I you know do X, Y, and Z. But then it puts the Cowboys in a unique position, whether they just – if they cut them, like it, it's just – it is so like kudos for Dak for doing this, betting on himself, doing oh, all these things because he signed that three-year deal, not wanting the four, not wanting the five. Like he wanted his deal and it might've been four rather than three, but um, he wanted a short-term deal, not the long-term deal because he knew that he can double dip a few years down the line and the salary cap will go up. And I know I've been ranting for a little bit, but I just, I, I know where it sits with Dak. I need to see a little bit more in 2023 to give him something or at least feel comfortable but again it's not my decision at the end of the day it's whatever the Cowboys want to do and he's a great guy he's a great player all these things are what you want in a quarterback but when it starts to get into that over 13 percent threshold after seeing all these numbers and all these quarterbacks I'm like ooh, that's something to think about because if he's not at that Patrick Mahomes level and he it's like why not reset and go with a rookie and then you can kind of build the team around that so it's interesting I, I really truly don't know where they're going to go I'll be happy one way or the other but it's just when you look at the future and where the team can go, I don't know if a big contract would be you know, necessarily the best thing. I also want to point out, too, that an average annual salary that you're looking at right now for Dak is about $40 million. Same thing for Daniel Jones. Let's not forget that we're keeping things in the NFC East right now. Daniel yeah. Jones this year signed a four-year deal worth the same amount as Dak, $160 million. So that means he has an average salary of about $40 million this season. To me, if you're comparing Dak to Daniel Jones and Jalen Hurts, I think he's right in the middle of that. I absolutely think Daniel Jones is being overpaid, yes. But I also think, too, with somebody like Jalen Hurts, you can justify that amount of money because he's still very early on in his career. It's hard to believe because of how he plays and how good of a player he is. He's still two years in. He's barely going into his third season. Dak going into his eighth season, that's, you know, in quarterback time, that's a lot behind you. That's a lot of injuries. That's a lot of time that you've had to really prove what you're worth at this point. And I do think in ways Dak has proved it. I really do think, though, that last season kind of dipped his worth, especially when it came to the conversations of the interceptions, which we know we're not going to get into. It's not always him. But it's all, always just what you see on the field. And that's something that Jerry and Steven have always said, is when the productivity on the field starts to decline, then our conversations start to change. And so very much so, like you saw with Ezekiel Elliott, Production started to decline. So as much as they said they wanted Zeke, if you're sticking by that mentality, you have to stay true to that and say, okay, but look at the production, not just this season, but last season starting to become a trend. That's, you know, made it really the easy decision to cut him uh, going into this season. But for Dak, I think this is his prove it year. Like you're saying, 2023, what do you have? What are you made of? Because at this point, there's no more scapegoats. There's no more Kellen Moore scapegoat. There's no more, you know, post-ankle injury scapegoat. Not that that was a scapegoat. That was merely trying to protect his ankle that was just surgically repaired for obvious horrific reasons that we all saw the images of and we watched play and live unfold. Horrific and amazing for Dak to be able to rehab it. But that meant his play style changed. And 
how does that impact everybody else? Because he's not running as much. You just don't see a mobile Dak Prescott like you used to, which, you know, you might not even see that from Jalen Hurts this season, but there's no more, there's no more scapegoats for him. It's this season. You have everything you need to be successful. You have your veteran wide receiver. You have your wide receiver one who emerged last season to really step into his role. You have these fantastic group or this fantastic group of young tight ends that are ready the O-line, a little shaky at the moment, but at the end of the day, that's going to get figured out to make sure you are protected, you're not getting touched. And then, more importantly, I think you have um, a new uh, coaching staff that, to me, I think is the Mike McCarthy era really in full effect. You have Mike McCarthy calling the plays. You're not in the Kellen Moore scheme that maybe you're used to and just wasn't working for you and you didn't realize it. I think he has everything that he needs to be successful this season. It's just up to him whether he is or not. Because something we we know about Dak is you can see when he is in his element, he is playing at his best, you see it. It's just so effortless for him and it's a flawless performance. And then you can tell he's in his head and things just are a little shaky. He's your foundation. So if the foundation's shaky, everything else is to follow. And you see that with the Cowboys offense when it is not at its best. So I think this is your 2023 prove it year. Prove me what kind of contract you want, how much longer you want to stay here and, you know, stay healthy, see how things go and then come back to this discussion. But where things are right now, I don't see the Cowboys front office making this a a immediate decision that needs to be made right now at this moment. I think talking a little bit more into 2023, sure, even into 2024. But um, yeah, no, I don't see it being a conversation that's immediately being had right now. But And there's a few things where I also think when you put a quarterback in this conversation of allocating like uh, about 14, 13% of your cap, even like Deshaun Watson next season, for instance, he's going to have to command about 25% of the cap, which is similar to what Dak Prescott is. And you know what the Brown situation is right now where they haven't really drafted well. They don't have a lot of talent around them. It's like, it's kind of, they're just piecing things together. And I think when you have a quarterback at this contract, it puts a lot more pressure on them to draft really well because that's where you get all your value. If you get great players in round one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, like they that helps the Cowboys say, okay, it justifies paying Dak Prescott this amount because we know we trust our draft process. We know we get good players in the third round, in the first round, in the seventh round, undrafted free agency. Like we know we trust in our process. When you look at the, the Green Bay Packers, they haven't drafted really well over the previous few seasons and weren't able to maximize their time with Aaron Rodgers. And they had to let go of someone like a, uh, a Devontae Adams. He left and they couldn't sign him to a, a larger contract. And then you lose a blue chip player because your quarterback commands so much money. And I, when I think about Dak getting that much and now you have to pay CeeDee Lamb, you have to pay Trayvon Diggs, you have to pay Micah Parsons. In my mind, what would I rather? Would I rather like Dak Prescott and Trayvon Diggs or Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb and then all of a sudden you can't really re-sign Trayvon Diggs to a contract? You can't uh, extend Micah Parsons. I mean, you still have the fifth-year option. You can kind of do work those things out with CeeDee Lamb and Parsons. But for me, I'd much rather have Diggs, Parsons, and Lamb than paying just Dak Prescott and that's just me personally it's like I'd much rather have math would say you want three things at the same price of one and I just think that when you have those three players you put and I think because of the success of Brock Purdy I know it's not a one-to-one comparison with all these things but we also remember when Dak Prescott came in as a fourth round pick the Cowboys were able to have success with all these blue chip players that they had so the Cowboys have shown that they can find value in the later rounds or in the draft to get a franchise quarterback, at least recently, um, to where that if they went that rookie reset and get somebody in outside of Dak, it's like, okay, if they have these three guys around them, a Parsons, Diggs, and Lamb, then they can kind of build for the future, and then you kind of reset everything. You have Tyler Smith as your left tackle. You have Terrence Steele. Like, you have other pieces, but if Dak takes so much of the money away – then what do you do? And I just think with the future of the team, it's probably not the best use of resources. But again, I love Dak. It's nothing against him. I think he's a great player. I'd put him above Jalen Hurts with regards to just being a pure passer and what he can do. But it's just in the modern NFL, if he's not going to run Hurts, I would probably take in that aspect, especially 
with him having the success of the QB cheek, which is that one yard push. Um, so it's just, uh, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out in 2023, if they get something done beforehand, or if they're going to just wait and Dax representatives don't want anything to do with negotiations until after the season is over, when the cap is bigger, when his price tag can be a little bit higher. Oh yeah. I, I agree with all of that. And you know, what's interesting is we're talking about Dak's eighth season this upcoming season already. That is insane to me. Makes me feel old. Same. And, you know, this is my perfect segue because, look, it makes us feel old when we think about watching the progression of Dak Prescott um, and just all of these players that we see in the draft and, and they come out of the draft and you're like, oh, who's, you know, who's he? What's he going to do? How much of an impact is he going to have on this franchise? And every now and then, you just get these special players that end up becoming your franchise and the face of your franchise and really the name of the game. And so, you know, with the draft being so close, we know it's been nothing but draft content. And y'all are probably so tired of hearing mock drafts and what ifs. And you would be surprised. The people who are into the drafts, they do love mock drafts and all this stuff. Look. I love that for them, but I'm quite opposite. I I think at some point you got to give your mind a little breather. So this will be your your episode, your one hour, even if you're one of those people that likes mock drafts and all of that. This is your little breather because it's healthy to take a break every now and then and recharge your mind. So look, we what we wanted to do is we wanted to play back to the future and we wanted to go back the last 10 drafts, last 10 years. So going back to the year 2013, which I graduated high school that year. That's insane. And I feel very old. Um, if you're older, you're going to say to quit complaining because I'm not old. I, I get it. But Brandon and I are going to play this game where we're going to go back and we're going to give you three of the best Cowboys draft picks. One's going to be the obvious choice. Obviously, that was a great pick, whether we knew it or not at the at that point. One of your favorite draft pick choices. And then one that we appreciate, but others might not. And so we had to categorize it because when, I don't know about you, Brandon, when I started going through the last 10 years worth of draft picks, I was so shocked at how difficult this was actually going to be to put it together in a top three. Insane. I'm like Ross from Friends where I need a pros and cons list. I need like categories. I need to put things in boxes. So when we came up with the idea of doing obvious favorite and, and underrated, it made things a lot easier. You kind of look at the the long list with a sort of, you know, a, a sense of where you're kind of looking for with a certain player. Uh, so it made it easy. And I think that my options and I'll, I'll let you start first. I'll, I'll defer to you. Um, I don't know if we want to save the obvious or the favorite, which one we want to save for last or maybe even underrated. I'll leave that up to you, but I had fun with it. And also looking back at the different names, the Cowboys have come through, you know, even when I look back at uh, someone like an Isaiah Stanback, you know, and somebody at Barry church and like these guys, and he was undrafted, but you know, guys who are now working with the team in the media department, who you hear weekly on certain podcasts, it's just, you see where now their careers have taken off. Um, and some guys who are still with the team might be a little bit older, but are still good picks, still playing at a high level. It's also just one of those nostalgic feelings, yeah. you know, when you, you go through and you see these players and you're like, oh, wow, you know, I remember when he was picked, but look what he's done since. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I really dug down this rabbit hole. And for me, it was difficult because I, I was like, I have my top three in my head already. I don't even need to look. And then I started going through the list. I was like, oh, no, wait. Oh, no, wait. Oh, hold on. It was very difficult. So I challenge you guys as the listeners, you know, come up with your own top three. Again, our categories are an obvious choice, a favorite choice, and one that you appreciate that others might not appreciate as much. I challenge you guys to give us your top three, tweet us and let us know, because to me, it was difficult for Brandon. It was a little bit better. I think you went about it a little bit smarter than I did with the pros and cons list. Um, but let's kick it off because this was really fun. Uh, again, Brandon, you hit the nail right on the head. It was really fun. Let's start with our obvious choice. Okay, that's um, that's good. Yeah, let's start with our obvious choice, mostly because that is the first one I had written down, and I didn't want to be bouncing up and down my notes. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Great minds think alike. What can I say? Um, okay, so the obvious choice, Brandon and I did cheat a little bit on this one, and when I say we cheated, it's only because I had to make sure we weren't going to give you the same answer I needed to make sure we were going to give a different answer because this one, there's really only a couple of names that come straight to your mind. So Brandon, you already know my answer, but I went with Micah Parsons. 
first round draft pick number 12 from Penn State back in 2021. Can you believe that? I, I, that, that has gone by so it fast. It still feels, I mean, it feels like it was yesterday, but then when you start looking at certain things, like I'll, I'll be, I'll be moving in a few weeks and like I came to where I'm at right now in 2021. And it's just like, where did the time go? Uh, right. It's just like a blip where you kind of just wake up one day and it's three or two years later. What? Yeah, no, I remember when I first graduated uh, college, I'd signed a two-year contract and, at my first job out of college, and everyone told me it goes by so fast. I didn't believe them, but no, it really does. Two years goes by incredibly fast, and for Micah Parsons, oh man, has he done a lot in two years. That man deserves all of the off-season he can get um, because he has been very busy, to say it the, at the very least, uh, these last two seasons, especially for a draft pick that was not highly popular at the time i mean let's take a little let's let's take uh what is the car model from back to the future a delorean yes oh, look at is? that you didn't need my help there we- hey this is scott galloway author professor entrepreneur and most importantly host of the prop g podcast we got a special series running on right now called the future of work where i answer all your questions on surprise the future of work Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, yeah. No, I love Back to the Future. Let's take the DeLorean back to the year 2021. Everybody, we've even heard from some of our guests on the podcast how unpopular this pick was from the draft nerds of the draft nerds. I mean, everyone was saying Micah Parsons was not the right choice. And I love a guy that can prove people different. I love a guy that comes in here and says, okay, just watch. He didn't even have to say anything. It was just the production automatically on the field. So within two seasons, our guy, Micah Parsons, has 106 total tackles, 46 assists, and 26.5 sacks. Keep in mind, his rookie year, he almost broke the rookie sack record of 14.5, but he had 13. The thing that kills me the most about this, he probably would have beat that rookie sack record, if not matched it, if he hadn't gotten COVID and had to sit out uh, during that game. But... Again, I just love that this was our ultimate awakening as Cowboys fans of, hey, let's let's trust what's going on here. We got to trust the process a little bit more. Look, maybe the Cowboys scouting department actually knows what they're talking about because, wow, this was just the best case scenario you could ask for a draft pick. So my obvious choice Micah Parsons for obvious reasons. I like that because Micah Parsons, when people, when, when he was drafted, everyone was like, you can't take an outside linebacker that high. But immediately in the post-draft uh, co- uh, press conference with Jerry Jones, he said, no, we envision him as a defensive end. Like, this is where we want him to play. And everyone's like, oh, well, he didn't do that. He took off for COVID that one year. Um, he very rarely at college played defensive end. And it's like, no, Dan Quinn has a, a vision for him. And look how it's transpired. I know when we did our top 10 rankings in in season when we first started the podcast you know we always said Michael Parsons was the best player and it just it feels good to know that you have a generational player on the team that you root for and that you cover so it's it's definitely a nice thing especially after the years of a DeMarcus Ware and, and having him you know early on in his career where I was still young at that time I didn't know and appreciate what DeMarcus Ware was for the Cowboys but um, my obvious choice very similar with sort of the polarizing perspective of draft night Uh, I'm going back to 2014 and I'm going with pick 16 when the Cowboys are on the clock Johnny football is sitting there everybody wanted Johnny Manziel he was sitting there Tony Romo was getting up there in age they're like well we can just draft the heir apparent right now no 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 for a second year in a row they decided to go with an offensive lineman Zach Martin uh, the offensive tackle then now offensive guard uh, from Notre Dame and everyone's like well we just took Travis Frederick the year before 
Like, we need a splash player. Like, we need to get over the hump. Why is an offensive lineman going to – what are they going to do for us? We have Tyron Smith. We have Frederick now. Like, Zach Martin, is he really going to be a difference maker? Well, you know, flash forward now, uh, he has uh, eight Pro Bowls, six all-time uh, – or all-pro. Um, he has more Pro Bowls than holding penalties, which is still crazy to me. Um, and it's it's just not talked about enough at, at how important he's played – a role into this offensive line. And when I look at, when you look at the offensive line, it's a five man position group, right? And it's like, if one person is out of line, the whole unit is off. But when you look at a wide receiver core, if there's your number one wide receiver, if the second or third guy isn't really that great, like we saw this past season, like, yes, it affects them, but the Cowboys can still win games. With Zach Martin, he has been their right guard from day one. And you did not have to worry about him at all every season it's just like oh well Zach Martin's gonna be great he's gonna be getting a pro bowl and an all pro like to know that you have one out of the five positions already solidified like any team in the NFL would love to have that and the fact that he's been able to do that since 2014 is amazing and you look at where the Cowboys could be if they took Johnny Manziel and how many coaches they no, could have gone through it's just insane how the direction of the franchise would have been completely altered and when you think about Zach Martin in the position of drafting off an offensive lineman he kind of switched uh, Cowboys fans' perspective on like, oh, wow, if you can hit on offensive linemen every year in the first round, second round, third round, like why not do it? Like keep keep cranking these guys out because we know that it's important to the overall production of the offense. So he went with my obvious choice because I think at the end of the day, he's going to be an all-time great Cowboy. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And the fact that you got him at 16 and that draft in general was unbelievable with Odo Beckham, Mike Evans, like all these guys. I remember that's, that draft in 2012 were the two that I really kind of got into this draft world. And the fact that the Cowboys were able to get that position that wasn't really the sexy pick at the time and turn into a future Hall of Famer, it, it has to be the obvious choice. And we know Dak, we know Elliott, we know all those guys. But uh, I just think for that one, that that one to me was was very obvious. Well, you still one of my picks. So we're going to have to transition now because <laughs> my choice um, that I think – goes underappreciated so the choice of you appreciate but others might not is zach martin because he's become such a staple you almost forget that he's there because he's not doing anything wrong he's just producing constantly and he is i think yes he was appreciated when he was first drafted but then as time has gone on he's just become so consistent like i said i don't think the conversation of how great he really is came up until last season when you had tyler smith And the focus was on the O-line and what Tyler Smith was doing and how everybody else was holding up. And then everybody said, oh, yeah, Zach Martin's still here. Duh. I I really don't think people have the appreciation for Zach Martin that they should. You you said everything I had written down, uh, more Pro Bowls than holding penalties, which you know I love, love, love. There was actually, you know, I was going through exactly when these holding penalties started there was zero in 2014, three in 2015, one in 2016. He had two years with no holding penalties until he had one in 2019. Again, two years of no holding penalties. And then there was one in 2022, which I remember my jaw dropped. I was like, um, excuse me, did you say the right player? Because no, that just doesn't happen. Like, check that again. Well, and I, 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 look at this again. I think if you went back and looked at all of them, you could probably make an argument that he's just the better yeah. player and that the referees just don't know what they're looking at. So it, it should be zero, yeah. but, but it's just like, okay, well, like we can't, it you have to like zero. chip away at, at perfection just a little bit. Right. You know, I guess so. And you know, what I also thought was interesting out of all of these stats is, um, you know, obviously the holding penalties and the lack of just incredible, but only, a little over 12 sacks allowed during this tenure, which is not that much. I mean, you look at the greatest of the greats, that's a hard number to keep low as, as low as it is. So Zach Martin, I, I just adore you. I think you're great. He's great to meet in the locker room. He's always so respectful. Um, when he talks to people, he's very, very nice in the sense that he explains things and he's very specific about what he's saying. And um, you know, even, he talks to the scrum of the media um, like clockwork every Thursday. And, you know, sometimes I'll ask him things on the side and he has no problem with that. He's 
totally fair with giving us the time we want from him. He's very, very sweet to talk to. So Zach Martin, you deserve all the praise, my guy. I wish people would appreciate him a little bit more. But like I said, maybe last season was the awakening of let's appreciate our O-line guys because if you don't have a good O-line, yikes. Um, Very big, big yikes. So, um, yeah, you made my transition very easy. Who is your one guy that you appreciate that others might not as much? Well, and one more thing about Zach Martin. I think the other thing I've been hearing a lot more this offseason, and it's nothing that's confirmed. It's just more like talking and conversation. I mean, he is getting up there in age. You know, when you look at it, he's going to be, I think, 33, going to be 34, 35 uh, next season. And, you know, there's been a lot of deals handed out to offensive linemen, offensive guards, resetting the market. He did so when he signed his deal. But there hasn't really been a lot of conversation about extending Zach Martin. And he has, I believe, this season and next season left on his contract. Then after that, really nothing. And I've heard more so this offseason than before. Like I know our friend who was on the show, John Mashota, um, he was he keeps talking on his podcast about Zach Martin, how like a lot of people wouldn't be surprised if he retires in two years or a lot of people wouldn't be surprised if he sticks around for another five or six. And I think that when you see one of his friends, Travis Frederick, retires early, I know for medical instances, but there's a bigger trend about retiring younger, especially at the offensive line position. Like these guys, their diets are unlike any other player. The way that they build their bodies is just insane. And you see the transition from a lot of these big guys from the NFL, like a Joe Thomas, you know, look at him from yeah. where he used to be when he was like with the Browns, huge. And he'd say he'd eat like, I think it was like, I forget how many calories it was a day, but it's, it's insane that the way that you have to adjust your body to the NFL and he might want to walk away from that in, within the next year, two years. If Tyron Smith moves on, I mean, that's one of his guys that he came in. So he might be the last guy standing, and he might not want that. So I think that's also something we have to consider that maybe Zach Martin is not going to be around for, for a few more seasons. And it's like, appreciate him while you have him. That's yeah, the importance so of winning well, and win a Super Bowl. Like, can, can we just get this man a Super Bowl before it's all said and done? Please. Yeah. yeah. Say it louder, Brandon. Yeah. Say it louder. Say it again. I, I hope when you go back and edit this, you can like slow-mo that part and really like extend it and make it like get him a Super Bowl and <laughs> the moment of this podcast. Well, and so then my underrated pick, somebody who I also want to get a Super Bowl is Demarcus Lawrence. And from the same draft class, the Cowboys traded up yeah. to get Demarcus Lawrence. And the one thing I wrote down is it at the time, it's hard to replace one Demarcus with another. You know, you just transitioned from where, you know, the Cowboys released him in that offseason. They decide to to draft his sort of replacement in Demarcus Lawrence. And it's like those are big shoes to fill. Uh, and the one moment for me that stuck out his rookie season is you have that playoff win against the Lions and Romo's on the ground with his arms up in the air with the game winning touchdown. But Demarcus Lawrence is the one who sealed the game. He had the strip sack, strip sack fumble. Um, and, and the part that I also didn't remember until rewatching it, because that is something I always uh, remember that game by is the, the play before or a few plays before Anthony Spencer came around the end and knocked the ball out of Matthew Stafford. Lawrence picks it up. He starts running around instead of falling down. And the Cowboys could have just knelt out uh, the rest of the clock, you know, run down the clock. But instead, he runs around and he fumbles the ball and the Lions fall back on it. It's like, oh, my goodness, like, did, did this stupid rookie, you know, just cost the Cowboys a playoff win? And then he ends up, you know, fixing himself and, and wins the game for the Cowboys. But he's gone to, gone on to have a great career. Of course, he had the, the all-pro season. I believe it was the contract year for him. And, you know, right now he just needs five more sacks to be in fourth place in franchise history with 59 and a half. So I think when it's all said and done, he's going to go down as being one of the best defensive ends for the Cowboys and getting that in the second round. Somebody who's been a model player for the team, taking over as the leader of the defense once Sean Lee left. Like he has all these traits about him. And most recently, like to me, I look at with what he did with the contract uh, a season ago with Randy Gregory. Like He wanted to cut down his salary so that the Cowboys could could re-sign Gregory and it didn't work out but he still renegotiated and he renegotiated again so it's just uh, I look at him as being one of the players that not a lot of people think about because the numbers of of being an elite sacker in the NFL isn't in his wheelhouse but he's a great run defender somebody that every team in the NFL would love to have and you get that in the second round I think to me that just goes to be a very underrated pick oh yeah I'm so glad you brought him up I was worried that he wasn't on my list, obviously, but I was worried he wasn't going to get the love he deserves because he absolutely deserves it. And not only that, but you talk about, um, you know, I, I know a big conversation of this offseason when we heard about Zeke getting cut is the locker room leader. He is your locker room leader. He gives those hype speeches right before the game when they're all in the huddle and they're jumping. 
that is what you get out of Demarcus Lawrence is you always get that hype and and just that grit that is so hard to find in a player. He gives everything he has. I mean, this man was playing with this injury, these nagging injuries all season. He's like, no, I'm fine. I'm good. And you wouldn't even know it. I mean, this man is just so tough and I, I love the presence he brings into the locker room. I really do more than anything else. Obviously productive on the field. We know that, but I'm such a character person when it comes to these players, what you bring to the locker room, what you're going to bring to these, you know, younger guys, especially when you had Micah Parsons first drafted, how are you going to help Micah evolve? And I just think it's been amazing to see him grow from his rookie season to the leader that he is now, um, man. Uh, win him a Super Bowl too. Speaking of winning people, people Super Bowls, he deserves it. And something that I really appreciate about Demarcus Lawrence is that he always refers back to, or last season at least, he referred back to the 49ers loss. Not this most recent one, but uh, you know the one before. And I really hate that there's two now because <laughs> it's painful to say. But just don't make it a third. Just don't make it a third. No, 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 no. Three and two is enough. Um, he would always refer back to this feeling that he had during that game of just being so upset that they had lost. And that was what drove him this season is I didn't want to feel like that again. So the fact that it's happened twice now, um, yeah, I don't want to know what's going to be unlocked and raged out on that field for anybody that has to face uh, D-Law. I really don't. I don't want to be that guy. I'm good. I'll watch it. I don't want to be that guy. So I'm so glad that you mentioned him there. Okay, our next guy is going to be our favorite player. And just a heads up, Brandon, I didn't cheat like I told you I was going to for this pick, but I do have a bonus guy to kind of wrap things up with. So um, favorite player was really hard because you can go so many different routes with this of who's been your favorite draft pick. For me, when you think of the epitome of a draft pick, it's the biggest name in the draft at the time and somebody that just comes in and makes an immediate impact, an immediate statement maker. To me, there was no other choice than Ezekiel Elliott as my favorite draft pick. Because to me, when I think of, you know, in recent times of that draft pick back in 2016, round one, fourth overall pick. Oh my goodness, that was so exciting. Uh, from Ohio State, it was Zeke or bust. You go back to that draft period. It was, if you don't get Ezekiel Elliott, what is wrong with you? I mean, the crop top and all of the things Zeke that were coming in, he just was the perfect puzzle piece to fit into this Dallas Cowboys team uh, back in 2016. Again, he really was the first player that I followed when it, come, when it came to the draft see emerge into that superstar not just Ezekiel Elliott as he was but Ezekiel Elliott as a Dallas Cowboy because there's two different things there um I watched him grow as a man I watched him grow as a player and I I just cannot explain enough how privileged and honored I was to be able to meet him and watch him in the locker room this season because it is just like nothing else you really see um you know it's interesting when you look at that 2016 draft too, because he went after Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Joey Bosa, and then he had Ezekiel Elliott at four. I would take a 2015 season all over again if it meant getting Zeke right where we got him because it was such an honor to watch him be become Zeke. And it's insane because you forget of all all the things that they these players accomplish when you know you watch them there now and you compare back to 2016 I forgot that he was 178 yards shy of breaking the NFL's rookie rushing record that was set back in 1983 I forgot that that had happened but it just was so exhilarating to watch Zeke that rookie season after the draft and hype and it's like yes they got him they got Zeke Zeke is coming to Dallas with his crop top I'm so excited to me that's the epitome of a draft pick that's why it's my favorite but okay Brandon, I'm dying to know who's your favorite draft pick in the last 10 seasons. And then I'm going to go to a bonus pick 
only because it's a very great transition for how we're going to wrap up this episode. Well, I think it's it's a great pick. We talked about it in at nauseum with him leaving and departing and how like a lot of people can criticize the Cowboys taking a running back fourth overall. But you know what? At the end of the day, he brought in that new transition, that new era of Cowboys football, um, you know, transitioning past Tony Romo and all these things with Dak. And I think that if the Cowboys didn't have Ezekiel Elliott, there's no way that they're winning 13 games that season. I think that he was more impactful than a Dak Prescott because they worked hand in hand. And I think if you had uh, Ezekiel Elliott without Dak Prescott, I think you can be fu- a functional offense, especially with Tony Romo. But if you have Dak Prescott without Ezekiel Elliott I think it's just for a rookie coming into the NFL you need a good quality running back so he was that and more a pillar of the community and everything for me it's it's very similar with I didn't think that the Cowboys would actually draft this type of player because history would show that yeah maybe they would go in a different direction and all these things when the Cowboys brought in Mike McCarthy nobody knew where they were going to be going with the, where with his first draft and especially being the COVID year all these things happening it's just it was a lot of unknown and somehow, some way, a wide receiver falls down to them in the first round, and they pick CeeDee Lamb. And to me, I was just, my jaw hit the floor. Kyle Yeomans is running, uh, for, like doing this big marathon because he didn't think it would happen. Nobody thought that CeeDee Lamb would be a Dallas Cowboy. And when I look at that draft, they were talking about Kalevon Chason, the defensive end from LSU, as being the guy. Oh, this is what they do. They need uh, defensive end help. Like, this just fits perfectly. But... It also showed a, a transition for the Cowboys of where they used to be with drafting. They had Rod Mel- Marinelli the year before take Tristan Hill, and that was sort of like pe- penciled in after trading for Amari Cooper. They Everybody knew that that's where they wanted to go, and Tristan Hill was not the best player probably on their board, was not the best player when they picked, but they just did it because they're like, oh, well, it's Rod Mel- Marinelli's guy. Like It just fits whatever we need. We'll move on. But they decided, you know, we're going to change. Mike McCarthy is all about drafting best player available. Like, why would we not draft CeeDee Lamb here when we could fill other needs? It's like, he's a difference maker. He's going to be our franchise guy for the foreseeable future. And he's been everything and then some for the Cowboys in that aspect. And, you know, they're talking about extending him uh, a long-term deal, long-term contract. When you look at his statistics, the one thing that stands out to me is, uh, out of all the wide receivers in NFL history with regards to uh, most receiving yards in the first three seasons, we know Justin Jefferson is the best in that category, of course, drafted after CeeDee Lamb. We touched upon that in our uh, multiverse of draftness uh, last week in our episode. Um, but Lamb is 14th in NFL history on that list uh, in front of wide receivers like Ty, uh, T.Y. Hilton, Tyreek Hill, and Isaac Bruce. So, he is been very elite for where he was drafted, for where he is. And you think if Dak Prescott doesn't go down in 2020, maybe he has more receiving yards and he's higher on that list. So I just think everything that CeeDee Lamb has been, we know that there were some communication issues this past year. He finally took over as being the number one guy, but he delivered and then some for the Cowboys. And I think when you look back on it, that 2020 draft, if he goes down as being one of the best wide receivers in NFL, uh, in Cowboys history, um, I think you'll say he shouldn't have been there. He shouldn't have been there for the Cowboys somehow, some way. He landed there, and the Cowboys were able to double dip and get Trayvon Diggs in the second round. It's just like that to me is the draft gods, as people like to say, were, were shining down on the Cowboys that day and said, no, no, we're going to throw you guys a bone. Mike McCarthy's coming in. We're going to make this okay for you, even though it's not going to be a good season. Uh, but to me, like that is just one of my favorite picks, and just because I didn't think it would actually happen, the fact that it did, uh, I need to put that down on the list. The draft gods. I love the draft gods. I'm sending them all my love, all my well wishes forever and always. I will play them Taylor Swift nonstop. Draft gods, please always be in our favor. Amen. Um, Okay. Agreed with everything you said. Just 100%. CD is that guy. And I'm excited for this upcoming season to see him step in day one, knowing, having the mentality he does, I'm wide receiver one. This is my spot. And this is where we're going. To see him doing this offseason work with Dak that he is now. And he's not the only receiver, right? I mean, Dak's getting work in with a few guys. And to see that wide receiver one, quarterback one connection continue to form and grow with CD in this position. Oh. I'm so excited. I can't even tell you. But speaking of quarterback connections with, um, you know, one of their guys, because CD is going to be Dak's guy, right? Let's take a little journey back because this is my bonus pick. And it's only because it's very relevant now that 
the Cowboys could potentially pick a tight end at number 26. So my bonus player uh, that I'm giving you guys is none other than Jason Witten. We're going back to the year 2003, officially 20 years ago. The uh, Dallas Cowboys uh, drafted I don't want to think about that. Jason Witten. Isn't that crazy? Oh, 20 years ago, guys. Man. Um, 20 years ago, round three at 69 from Tennessee. Obviously, like I said, this this is a bonus player because it's a big conversation of whether the Cowboys should take a tight end in the first round or not. And we know that the tight end position has developed immensely since 20 years ago at the 2003 draft, where, again, Jason was picked in the third round. Um, but let's go through this. 17 seasons, an 11-time Pro Bowler, second most in NFL history, 2012 Walter Payton Man of the Year. NFL records he holds, most receptions in a single game by a tight end, fourth in receptions in NFL history, most consecutive games played by a tight end, most consecutive games started by a tight end. As for Cowboys records, fastest tight end to make 600 receptions, most career receptions, most career receiving yards, most games played, and most consecutive games started. So all that to say, he's my bonus player because obviously he's my guy. My dog is named after him. I was going to wait uh, when you were going to throw that in there. I was going to mention it for yeah. you in case you forgot because yeah. you're so flustered <laughs> right now. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, Wit uh, is a great dog. <laughs> uh, I can't say he's well behaved, but he is a great dog. And all that to say, no matter who the Cowboys pick at 26, we have to trust the draft gods. We have to trust the Cowboys scouting department. But a tight end is a very reasonable pick at this point. Brandon, before we wrap things up, is there any which way your mind is still swaying any person, any position that you think, again, we're nine days away from the NFL draft when this airs. Where do you think the Cowboys are going? Has it changed? Are you still tied in round one train with me? Have you derailed your train? Or where are you at with all this? Yeah, I think it's a perfect transition because I think it's it's gone down to, I think, offensive line, tight end, probably running back. I mean, if Bijan, if Bajan, it's actually Bajan. Everybody keeps saying Bijan. It's, it's yeah. Bajan Robinson. Uh, so I want to make sure Bijan I say that. So much cooler. Yeah. And, and if anybody needs help remembering, it's like Dijon or Dijon. It's just Bajan, you know. And mustard is elite. Like, well, that's the most elite condiment here. I wouldn't I mean, go that far, but. Mustard is the best. Well, you know, I digress. <laughs> continue <laughs> so if running back if Bajan uh Dijon uh, Robinson is there uh you know I think the Cowboys would would definitely make that pick because they need help at the running back position it could be your franchise back for the next five to six years but I really you're talking about Jason Witten the one player that sticks out to me is tight end Michael Mayer from Notre Dame everybody's comparing him to Jason Witten I look at him as a more athletic Jason Witten, somebody who's, you know, the modern version of what he would look like, um, a little bit more dynamic in the passing game. He, he's just a guy that, and I'll, if you go back and listen to the Blogging the Boys YouTube channel, Mike Poland and I did a mock draft where we took him in the first round, and Mike does a great job of explaining who he is as a player, but basically the Cliff Notes version of him is he does everything well, nothing special, nothing great, but everything at a very good to great level. So he's not the best at run blocking, but he's really great at it. He's not the best after the catch, run after the catch, but he's really good at it. Um, I just look at him as being like this this contested ball uh, receiver where the Cowboys need that type of receiver on the, on the field right now in their offense. And if they can't get that at the wide receiver position, why not get it at the tight end position, somebody who can really be a mismatch on offense, fill that uh, void left by Dalton Schultz. I think it's just a perfect fit. And, you know, not only did Mike and I take him in the first round, but you look at Dane Brugler of The Athletic. He put out a seven-round mock draft today. He picked Michael Mayer for him. Uh, he recently appeared on 105.3 The Fan uh, with the Love of the Star podcast, Brian Baradas and Bobby Belt. And he said, listen, if Michael Mayer is there, I just can't see the Cowboys passing on him. So I think he's plugged in. He knows what he's talking about. So I think that's an option. And then, of course, Mel Kuyper uh, from ESPN, he came out and put uh, Michael Mayer as his pick for the Cowboys in round one most recently. And he was the he was the guy last season where he gave the, the Cowboys Tyler Smith in round one. And everyone's like, 
that's crazy. Why are you kidding me? You're not, they're not going to take Tyler Smith. And lo and behold, they draft Tyler Smith. So I think you're seeing a little bit more of a pattern. Tea leaves are starting to fall where a tight end might be something that they're leaning towards, whether it's Dalton Kincaid or Michael Mayer. But if Mayer's the pick, you're basically getting Jason Witten reincarnate, um, but just in the modern NFL. And to me, I'll take that at 26, put him in this offense with Dak Prescott. Let's go to work and just be an elite offense along with this defense. Uh, I think the Cowboys would be doing special things, even though drafting tight end in the first round isn't really like the sexy thing, nothing that history will shine bright lights on. But I think for the Cowboys, it would be the, the right pick. And if history does shine bright lights on it, who knows? We could be sitting here on the writer's block in 20 years talking about this exact moment. I mean, I'm happy you think we'll be doing this for the next 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm just being really optimistic here. Yeah. That's, that's the name of the game. Um, and great Scott, how fun has this been to travel back in time? Um, you know, maybe in 20 years we will travel back in time or we'll do like a back to the future part two, who knows, but Brandon, where can the people find you, uh, when they go tweet us their top three picks for everything we did today, but we want to hear theirs. Where can they find you? It's going to be at, at Brandon is right. W R I T E somehow, some way we need to get great Scott. Uh, maybe they draft somebody with the first name, Scott. I don't know if there are any players that are worth, but like we need to put that, we need to bring great Scott back into our, our, uh, vocabulary, our vernacular as a society. I think that that would make everybody just a lot, uh, more pleasant to be around. So just, just everybody around who's listening, just put that back into your vocabulary, use great Scott, and then just make the world a better place. Great Scott. We love it. Uh, you can tweet Brandon at Brandon is right. Hashtag great Scott. Um, and see what happens there. Brandon will tweet you back. I'm sure because we love that. Um, and that's going to become one of my favorite things to say now because of this. Um, thanks to doc who is just a legendary character in Back to the Future. Anyways, uh, you can find me at JustinVars underscore on Twitter. Um, your local Cowboys, I don't know. Uh, I don't really call myself a media person. More of a, I don't know. I don't, what would you title me, Brandon? What's a good title here? Host? Is liaison? Host? like Liaison? Too, is, is that too strong of a word? It's I like, think so. You know? You know, just... Whatever I feel like tweeting, I, yeah. I tweet. Uh, your local Swifty, all the things. Um, yeah, go ahead and tweet us. Let us know what your top three picks are because, like I said, it's a lot harder, in my opinion, than it seems to pick three guys out of the last 10 years. That's why we put the time limit. But speaking of time, we are officially out of it here on the Writer's Block podcast. We look forward to seeing you next week where we will officially be in draft week mode. And we are so excited to see what the 2023 NFL draft brings. Until then, have a fantastic rest of your day. Go say great, Scott, and go Cowboys. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.